Hey everyone, welcome back to The Haunted Corner. I'm Ashton. I hope you're having a great week so far. I'm really excited for today's episode. If you know me, you know that I'm a big fan of amusement parks. But after doing my research for today's episode, I'm a little bit horrified by the stats. Approximately 30,000 theme park-related injuries occur each year, but many aren't classified as serious. In 2019 alone, there were 1,299 injuries reported in United States amusement parks. As far as deaths go, between 1973 and 1990, there were 90 ride-related deaths in amusement parks. And between 1990 and 2004, that number dropped to only 54 deaths reported at amusement parks. Now, statistically speaking, you're more likely to get struck by lightning than die on a roller coaster. But alas, today I've put together a few shallow dives into some of the worst amusement park accidents throughout time. Let's get into it. Up first, we're heading to Jackson, New Jersey, to the Six Flags Great Adventure Amusement Park. The park drew millions of visitors each year, adrenaline junkies and animal lovers alike. Along with the amusement park, there was a 500-acre animal preserve where 2,000 animals roamed free. It was very popular, but it was no stranger to accidents and misfortune. I say was, but the park is actually still open and has experienced issues as recently as August of 2022, when 14 people were injured on the roller coaster called El Toro when the ride malfunctioned towards the end. This roller coaster had a reported nine incidents in the four years prior to the one that occurred in 2022, with 52 incidents reported in the park overall just within that time period. So, yikes. But that's not all. In 1977, a 24-year-old man was working on a cable car when it accidentally turned on, knocking him into the machinery and killing him. In 1981, a 20-year-old man fell off the roller coaster known as the Rolling Thunder during a routine test of the ride. And during the same month, a 19-year-old woman died after choking on the same ride. But by far the most horrific incident, and the one that the park is most known for, happened on May 11th of 1984. One of the most popular attractions in the park at the time was the Haunted Castle. The attraction was initially supposed to be a temporary one. Most of the attraction was contained inside 16 commercial truck trailers. They were split into two separate haunted castles, which were mirror images of each other and operated simultaneously during peak times. There was an additional trailer located in the middle that held the control room, which had the electrical panels for the attraction, changing rooms for the actors, and two pressurized water fire extinguishers. Then the interior was constructed of wood partitions, paper, fabric, and was covered in polyurethane foam. The ride was decorated with skeletons and monsters on the exterior and had a drawbridge over a moat. After crossing the drawbridge, visitors would enter the haunted castle and head down the 450-foot dark and spooky trail full of coffins, mannequins, and actors dressed as monsters who would jump out and scare visitors who were creeping through the castle. On the night of the incident, a group of teenagers on a school trip entered the castle just before 6.30 p.m., 
A 14-year-old boy was using his lighter to find his way through the haunted castle when he passed by one of the walls that was covered in polyurethane foam. The lighter caught the foam on fire and it immediately spread. The boy reportedly tried to put the fire out, but he couldn't. One of the visitors saw the flames and thought it was part of the attraction until they began to smell smoke. There were 29 people inside the attraction at the time. 14 of them, including four of the park employees, were able to escape. Within minutes, the entire attraction was engulfed in flames. The fire department was called at 6.35 p.m., and by 7.45 p.m., the fire was under control. Seven of the survivors were treated for smoke inhalation, but in the wreck of the fire, the bodies of eight teenagers between the ages of 15 and 19 were found. They had all died of smoke inhalation and carbon monoxide poisoning, and seven of the victims were found near the exit in the same corridor. Because the haunted castle was meant to be a temporary structure, it didn't follow the same requirements as other buildings. There wasn't a building permit or certificate of occupancy. There were no fire and smoke detectors and no sprinklers, despite repeated recommendations by the park's own safety consultants. Four months after the fire, Great Adventure, Inc. and its parent company, Six Flags Corporation, were charged by the state of New Jersey with aggravated manslaughter, along with two park managers. The indictment, quote, charged the companies with reckless conduct amounting to extreme indifference to human life for failing to take adequate fire prevention measures. But after an eight-week trial and 13 hours of deliberation, a jury found Great Adventure, Inc. and Six Flags Corporation not guilty. Despite the loss in court, the Haunted Castle fire prompted several new fire safety laws for dark rides, requiring them to be protected throughout by an approved and properly installed and maintained automatic sprinkler system. This was after the Sydney Ghost Train fire, so we clearly didn't learn anything from that. The families of four of the victims filed civil suits against Bali Manufacturing, the owner of Six Flags, Six Flags Great Adventure, and the castle's builder, George Mahana, the owner of Tom's River Haunted House Company, charging manslaughter and aggravated manslaughter. New York City Board of Education, the state of New Jersey, Ocean County, and Jackson Township were also included in the various lawsuits. Seven of the eight families later settled out of court for $2.5 million each, and the eighth family chose to go to trial and was only awarded $750,000. Like I said, the park is still open, but I had never heard of this event. Up next, we're heading to Mason, Ohio, to Kings Island, to one particularly deadly day at the park. Kings Island is a popular amusement park located about 25 miles north of Cincinnati. It opened in 1972, and it didn't take long for the mishaps to begin. Shortly after the park opened, an employee named John McCann, who was 20 years old at the time, was killed after being attacked by lions in the animal habitat. In 1982, 17-year-old John Harder was killed after he tried to ride on top of the elevator inside the park's replica of the Eiffel Tower, and he fell into the elevator shaft. In 1984, Mark Beckman, who was 26 at the time, died after diving 13 feet into a two-foot-deep fountain. 
And in 1986, Kings Island tuba player Thomas Cahal, who was 39, died after being struck by lightning at the park. So I wonder what the statistics are about that, being struck by lightning in an amusement park. But none of these events could prepare anyone for what would be known as the deadliest day in the park's 19 years of operation. Sunday, June 9th, 1991, was like any other Sunday, a day off for many to enjoy what the summer day had to offer. For most, the day brought joy and laughter, but that changed around 8.30 p.m. in the beer garden area of the park. 22-year-old Timothy Binning was at the park with his friend 21-year-old William Haithcote. Timothy was attending the Ameritrust Employee Appreciation Picnic at the park, and he brought William along as his guest. The two men were on the patio of the beer garden when Timothy began slashing in the water of the fenced-in pond surrounding the patio. Suddenly, he was jolted by an electrical current and fell into the pond. William jumped into the water to help his friend and was electrocuted. A Kings Island security guard, 20-year-old Daryl Robertson, saw the men struggling and jumped in the water to assist when he was also electrocuted. The three men were rushed to University Hospital, where William Haithcote and Daryl Robinson were pronounced dead. Timothy survived the electrocution that killed his friend and the security guard who attempted to save him. Investigations by electrical experts and OSHA determined that the men had been shocked by a surge in an aerator pump that did not have a functioning ground fault circuit interrupter. OSHA fined Kings Island $23,500 for seven safety violations. Shortly after the three men were electrocuted, only 200 yards away from the beer garden, 32-year-old Candy Taylor got on the one-year-old ride called the Flight Commander. Candy was at the park with a group of friends from her school. She was taking an eight-week course on tractor-trailer driving, Now, in the ride, the flight commander, passengers would pilot their capsules while spinning 60 feet in the air. Riders in the open-air capsule cockpits were held in place by rigid harnesses that would fit over the shoulders and extend to the waist. Now, what happened leading up to the event remains unclear, but around 9.25 p.m., Candy fell 60 feet from her capsule to the ground. She was transported by helicopter to the hospital where she was pronounced dead at 10.35 p.m., Officials were stumped by what had happened to Candy. The restraints were intact when the ride stopped, so she would have had to have slipped out from under the harness, which would have been really difficult. So was this a design flaw, as officials suspected? Or did she get scared and try to climb out? Her blood alcohol level at the time was 0.30, so maybe she panicked and tried to get out. Either way, it's absolutely horrific. Next, we're heading to Canada in 1986 to the West Edmonton Mall in the Galaxy Land Amusement Park. The Mindbender, which was the world's largest triple loop roller coaster, opened in 1985 and was a huge draw to the world's largest indoor amusement park located inside what was once the world's largest shopping center. The ride was designed based on a previous roller coaster that was featured in the German Funfair circuit. The ride featured four pilot cars that seated four riders in each. 
The ride's layout featured many twisting drops, three vertical loops, and a double upward helix finale. It was a huge hit in the new amusement park and had also been billed as one of the world's safest rides. What this park, Galaxyland, makes me think of is the Adventure Dome at Circus Circus Las Vegas. If you know, you know. It's an indoor amusement park similar to this one. I'll post pictures on the blog for you to check out. On June 14th, 1986, 25-year-old Rod Shaco arrived at the park with his best friend, 24-year-old David Sager. The friends had decided to take a day trip from Calgary to go to the West Edmonton Mall for the first time. David was a thrill seeker and wanted to ride the Mindbender. The two men were disappointed initially when the ride was closed, so they decided to head to the arcade while waiting for it to reopen. When the ride finally reopened, the pair headed straight over there. They were the last to get on the Mindbender and sat in the last car behind 24-year-old Tony Mandrusiak and his fiancée, Cindy Sims, who was 21 at the time. David was sitting on the right side of the car and Rod was on the left. A concert was playing throughout the mall at the time. The ride began as normal, but shortly before the third and final loop, missing bolts on the left inside wheel assembly of the last car of the four-car train caused the bogey assembly to disengage the track, causing the final car to fishtail wildly. The car derailed, the lap bars were disengaged, and the four passengers, Rod, David, Tony, and Cindy, were thrown from the car. As the disengaged car entered the third and final loop, it lost the speed to complete it. The car stalled at the top before sliding backwards and crashing into a concrete pillar. David, Tony, and Cindy were killed instantly. Rod survived the accident and described the initial moments after, after impact in an interview, saying, quote, I tried to stand up at first, but when I tried, all I saw were my knees. I saw my legs were pointing in the other direction. I tried to sit up, and that's when I realized I had a punctured lung. I couldn't breathe. I tried to move my left arm and it wouldn't move at all, end quote. Rod estimates that he laid injured for about 15 minutes before a man jumped over the wall shouting, I found him. When they tried to lift him onto a stretcher, he recalls the entire left side of his body folding in half from all of the broken ribs. The crash shattered his lower legs, crushed half his left shoulder and broke his feet, pelvis, lower back and every rib on his left side. Doctors initially believed they may have to amputate his legs, but chose to surgically insert metal plates, allowing the bones to heal. He remained in the hospital for more than six months, and when he was released, he stood in leg braces and married his girlfriend, Joanne. A provincial inquiry eventually blamed the crash on a defunct West German company for design and manufacturing flaws. It found that four bolts had worked loose, allowing a wheel assembly to fall off the roller coaster car. The ride manual was also in German, which led to translation issues. Rod received an undisclosed settlement from the mall after the accident, and he receives free tickets to the attractions in the mall whenever he wants. He's been back several times, but never rode the Mindbender again. He fought for a memorial bench for David, Cindy, and Tony, but the mall only agreed to put a plaque on an office wall. The Mindbender was closed following the accident. When the roller coaster reopened in January of 1987, the trains were redesigned. The existing four-car trains were converted to three-car trains, and anti-rollback features were installed. 
The lap bar restraint was retained, but seatbelts and shoulder headrests were added. No further incidents were reported following the reopening of the ride. And just last year in 2023, the mine bender closed for good. And finally, we're heading to London to the Battersea Park Fun Fair in 1972 to what is still known as the world's worst roller coaster tragedy in history. The park was established during the Festival of Britain in 1951. The park was a popular destination for families, with its most popular ride being the Big Dipper, the large wooden roller coaster located in the park. But the Big Dipper was no stranger to mishaps. In May of 1951, an empty car derailed and knocked over a parapet. Fortunately, no one was injured in that incident. But then, in 1968, a car with passengers hurtled backwards and crashed into the car behind it, breaking one woman's arm. And then, in May of 1970, a suspected arson attack caused over $450,000 worth of damage to the ride, closing it for two months. On the afternoon of May 30th of 1972, families and friends gathered at the park, ready to enjoy a day of laughter and thrills. A group of teenage girls, including one 14-year-old girl named Carolyn, raced over to the Big Dipper. They were some of 31 people on board the three-car wooden train when tragedy struck. As the train reached the top of the first incline, it detached from the drivetrain prematurely. And despite the best efforts of the brakeman, the train rolled backwards under its own momentum. At the bottom of the hill, the train hit a tight right turn and derailed. The front carriage crumpled underneath the one behind it, and two teenage boys and an eight-year-old girl were killed instantly. Two children died later of their injuries. Carolyn and her friends were on a relatively undamaged carriage 15 meters in the air. The young girl she was sitting next to began to panic, wanting to get off the ride. She was leaning, leaning on a wooden panel, which collapsed, leading the girl to fall to her death. In total, five children were killed in the accident and 13 others were injured. According to The Londonist, the disaster led to a review of fairground safety and several charges of manslaughter. Prosecutors described the ride as a death trap, citing dozens of flaws and safety concerns. Despite the accusations, the park's general manager and the ride's engineer were both cleared of charges in November of 1973. The ride was permanently closed and dismantled following the accident. It was replaced with a newer steel roller coaster called the Cyclone, but the park never fully recovered after the accident and was closed in 1974. A tree was planted in 2022 to commemorate the disaster's 50th anniversary, while plans are also being put into place for a permanent memorial to honor the victims. And that's going to do it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. The sources for today's episode will be listed on the blog post for the episode at www.thehauntedcorner.com. That will be linked to in the show notes. Check out the other episodes of The Haunted Corner available now wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts, also on YouTube. And new episodes drop every week. If you're enjoying the podcast and would like to share your support and get access to weekly bonus episodes, head on over to Patreon. You'll have access to 
the exclusive Patreon-only episodes, plus early and ad-free access to the regular episodes, and a lot more. So head on over to patreon.com forward slash The Haunted Corner to join now. Follow us on social media at The Haunted Corner on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok. If you're enjoying the podcast, be sure to tell a friend and rate and review wherever you listen. It's the best way to support the show. If you have a case suggestion or a correction to share, please send it to thehauntedcorner at gmail.com or submit it through the website. Until next time, be kind and take care of yourselves and each other, and we'll see you soon. Bye.